my mind is like, do I do Sri Lankan accent or or Canadian accent? <laughs> That's where my mind is going. Welcome everybody. Assalamu alaikum. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, your truth is calling. My name is Nadira Razak, your host. I started this podcast because I was at a point in my life where I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve as a coach, yet something still felt missing. I knew I wanted to feel utterly and truly alive and connected to other beautiful human beings. This podcast helps you navigate this quest where you feel like you've arrived and now there's a whisper that this isn't it. There's chaos again and you have to start over. So this is about new beginnings, pivots, and finding those breadcrumbs of delight and surprise along life's journey. I hope it sparks something in you so that you get the courage to just go for your dreams, to trust those moments of insight and alignment so you can take action on the things that matter to you. I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and keep in touch with me about the things that are on your heart so we can have a conversation about navigating this beautiful thing called being a human. And today I am joined by a very special guest, my baby cousin, because I remember him <laughs> as this beautiful Hakuna Matata type character who was like full of smiles, really cheruby. You'd like really want to go up to him and give him a hug. And I want to warmly welcome Bureda Razak to the podcast today as my first guest. So let me tell you a little bit about him as to how I even invited him. I heard him speak with his co-authors in his new book and my whole heart lit up. It's like, that's how I get heart guidance. It's like, we need to connect. I need to invite this guy to come and speak with him. And I had this real deep desire to start a podcast and it's been about two years in the making. I know I have ideas all the time and then some of the ideas ideas they die out but some of them remain and this one kept coming back <laughs> not haunting me but inviting me in and yeah it's taken me two years to actually hit go on it and subhanallah I think sometimes you cannot rush passion projects it has to be the right time me with projects sometimes it takes two years sometimes it takes three years and, and that is okay that in itself is handing over your trust to the one that plans everything and is the best of planners. So without further ado, I am going to read Bereda's official bio. Bereda Razak is a mental health worker and educator. He is passionate about creating and developing culturally responsive and inclusive mental health resources for members of various faith groups. He's got a bachelor's degree in psychology. He's currently completing his Master of Social Work, and he's got over eight years of experience in youth work and mentorship in the BIPOC communities. And he's an avid foodie and a sucker for a good dad joke. Welcome, Vereda, and I'm so happy Thank that you. you're here. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I know, because the both of us, I think we've met in person when we were, I don't know whether I was in my early 20s. I remember, I think I was engaged, probably about to be married. And that was probably the last time I saw you. I kind of vividly kind of remember you and your brother in my house around that time. But I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> the earliest memory I have of you, or not the earliest, I'd say the most vivid memory is because my brother was a cook. My older brother, Bilal, was a cook. Uh, or he loved cooking, and then we used to go to your house, and then your dad and your mom uh, made. I think he was cooking the entire entire meal, 
And then you and I were tasting and we were preparing little uh, little uh, name cards yes. for all the dishes. Do you remember that? Yes. At, so that uh, was, I think, Madison. one of my dad's clients. So my dad, yeah, Maybe, ran a leather yeah. business and he would have clients coming internationally. And you had, yeah, the two of you happened to be there at the time. Yeah. SubhanAllah, how things that's, stick, that's, right? <laughs> that's my most vivid memory. And then we were also playing cricket and then my my brother broke a window in your in your. Uh, <laughs> In your house. <laughs> I think that's a, a done thing in my house. It's happened with another one of my friends' sisters. <laughs> Mashallah. <laughs> uh, I'm just so happy that you're here. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that you really caught my attention online is because you were talking about this thing and the topic was around wanting the people of color or men in general to get into whether it was like mental health work and that field, because it's kind of seen as like a soft skill, right? Like we see guys going to become engineers or, you know, all of those mass seen as masculine industries. And then here you are in this field doing some beautiful work. Could you tell us, I want to see the journey. Like, how did you get into it? Like, and let's start to trace some breadcrumbs so we can see the map of how you got there. And we'll see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was orchestrating things, how perhaps you maybe had certain conversations with certain people who got you in there. Can you can you start sharing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. So if I can think back, I think <laughs> number one, I always hated math. Okay, let's okay. put that out there. <laughs> I despise math. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I despised math. Uh, so I was like, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I loved science, but I also loved people. Uh, and I loved having conversations. So I think around, I can't remember what grade, sometime in high school, we had a, uh, like a guidance counselor uh, in, in, in the school. And I didn't, I didn't go necessarily go to him for guidance. I just, he's, he was a cool guy to chat to. His name was uh, Jeff Bellinghouse. Shout out to Mr. Jeff. Yeah, I just, I, I was like, oh, I was like, this is a cool job. I'm like, I, I could see myself doing it, uh, you know, uh, talking you know, talking to students, helping them figure out their sort of paths. Uh, so I asked him what he studied and he told me psychology. And I was like, okay, maybe that's what I want to do. And then, so that's where the seed was sort of planted, I think, for me. And, and Raida, then... did you do high school in Thailand or was high yeah, school? Yeah. yeah, so it's Thailand. And how did you decide to then go to Canada for your high school? So studies? my older brother, Bilal, uh, was already in Canada at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doing his uh, degree in aerospace. He started in aerospace uh, and then he hated it. <laughs> and he switched, he switched out. Uh, but so then, uh, so he was already in Canada. Like we had, we have family here. Uh, obviously Bilal was here and I was like, okay, I, I know I want to go to Canada. And a bunch of my teachers in Thailand, uh, in our international school were, were in Canada. And, uh, it was between the capital where I am, Ottawa or somewhere in Toronto. And then everybody told me not to go to Toronto and Bilal was like, just come to Ottawa. It's nice. And I'm very happy I made that decision. And then like, mm-hmm. Allah helped me make the decision. I'm not a big city guy. Like I, I grew up in Bangkok, and I never liked the big city. Mm. We we lived in the suburbs, and I preferred that. And so when I came to Ottawa, Ottawa was a very homey, like uh, <laughs> suburban. You make your own, yes, yeah, so yeah, more suburban. Like you make your own activities. It's a very social, mm-hmm. uh, as in like uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a people's place. I'd say. Uh, so that's what sort of brought me to Ottawa, and uh, yeah, it's been here 
since 2010 now, August 2010. And I know that one of the things that like your early days in university, and I think a little birdie or your mom told me that you got into like the Islamic, is it the Muslim, so what do you call that when you're in a uni? The, Islamic? the Muslims, Muslim Students Association. Students Association. Yeah. So how did you get involved in that? Because I saw some stuff when I was researching my guest, um, no, <laughs> I was snooping around and I found that, you know, there was this thing that you had created where Muslim students could find a roommate and things like that. And there was a podcast that you created. So I knew I was like, okay, so how did you get involved in Islamic right. Student Society? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah so I think I maybe I, I track back a bit. So in, when, I went, when we were in Thailand, my family and I, we were like my brother, myself, uh, my mom and dad uh, were the only Muslims I knew. That was our community. And then we had like family friends here and there, but there was no, I never had an ummah in Thailand. This is why I, I realized this only when I came to Canada. And then when I came to Canada for university, it was Ramadan. I think sometime in August or September, I can't remember. It was Ramadan. So I was fasting and I was in, I was living in the residence. And I was just with my friends, uh, like my, so, like the friends I was, I was sort of just trying to make friends. And we were about to go to the cafeteria in the residence to go and have iftar. And then on the way there, there was a big sign that said Muslim Students Association. I was like, oh, hey guys, I'm just gonna go over here. I'll, I'll check it out. So I went in, and there's this brother by the name of uh, Muhammad Ashraf. And he had this big welcoming smile. And then, yeah, he, ta- he talked to me. And then, yeah, I had a thought there. And that was my first ever experience with, with uh, the Muslim Students Association. And then prayed, prayed Maghrib, ate, prayed Tarawih. And then a uh, couple months down the line, I saw the same brother at Eid prayer. And then after, uh, after one of the Friday prayers, Jum'ah, he, he comes to me and he, he's asked, he asked me, Hey, uh, did you sign up for IAW, which stands for Islam Awareness Week? I'm like, what the heck is IAW? And he's like, well, it's Islam Awareness Week. We all get together and we, we uh, in the in this in like uh, the center of the school of the university, and uh, you have posters and we just talk about Islam. I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. So I signed up, and then that was my first real introduction into what the Muslim Ummah is supposed to be like, because it's basically just students from all across the world from different walks of life and we're just there for our love of uh, the dean and love of god and the love of religion and we're just, we're just trying to talk to people about it and that is where i fell in love with my dean even more and that's where i fell in love with the muslim community and i was like i want to contribute back to this community and that's where uh, i want all my uh, my professional my personal my social endeavors to go forth, it has to be something connected to the Muslim community. So that was, at my wedding speech, actually, I told Muhammad Ashraf, I'm like, you know, I hope you get the rewards for this. Cause like, if it wasn't for his, you know, that small action, I wouldn't have come all this way. So I always, I attribute it back to him. So I, I thank him. He actually just got married. So <laughs> shout out to Muhammad Ashraf. <laughs> and is that where you met your spouse, Dunya? Was it through the Islamic Student Society, uh, or how did you two meet? No, so she was in the technical rival school in the city. <laughs> um, I so I ended up because uh, because of this love for uh, community and the Muslim community, I I volunteered a lot. Maybe even some would say too much. I was spread quite as 
spread quite thin. And then she, my wife, uh, Dunya, was also volunteering a lot. We had crossed paths, like she had come to visit one of our I, our IWs, the Summer Awareness Weeks. And uh, and then I think our, my first official meeting with her was, there's this event called iLead, which was like a Islamic conference that was put together and we were both uh, volunteer coordinators there. Uh, and then we just got to talking. We were like, we were in the same sort of friend group. And then funny enough, we were trying to get each other married to other people. We're like, oh, who's, you know, who's, who's good for you? And then uh, tried and to then, be matchmaking for each other, but yeah, it was like no, that was. And then you're like, and then you talk, and you're like, oh, I guess we're pretty good for each other. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, then uh, I popped the question. Subhanallah. Twenty fifteen, July thirteenth, twenty fifteen. Oh wow! Well, so, so you got there in two thousand ten, and then five years later, you were married. So you yeah. got married fairly young then. So you were just out of uni. Did you had you finished yeah. your degree and? I finished in 2014, graduated in November, and then 2015, we got engaged. I proposed, and we got engaged, or I asked her, and then uh, spoke to her dad. We got engaged, and then 2016, March uh, March 2016, we had our nikah, and then July 2016, we had our wedding. Sipana. I cannot remember how old. I think I was 20, <laughs> and how old I was. 20-something, uh, early 20-something. 20, 24, maybe 23-24. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically, when when I was in when I was in university, I was like, I knew I needed. I, was like, I always, I've always been very uh, touchy feely and in, in touch with my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'd always grown up like in Sri Lanka. I had a lot of girl cousins. I'd help them plan their <laughs> weddings and stuff. And I was always, I was like very comfortable in school, like uh, in high school and like throughout school. I always had a lot of friends who were girls. So I was, I was very, I was like, mm. I was, I, I could. I could you hold your own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, and I, I, I always knew I wanted to find my, my person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in university, especially in the MSA, it's like, you know, okay, you're like, oh, I wonder who's going to, who's my wife going to be sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> always, and, and like one, one of the beautiful, beautiful things in the MSA, Muslim Students Association, like, you know, before we do anything, it's renew our attention, it renew yes. our, our intentions for the sake of God. It's very tough at that when you're in university. You're, like, <laughs> you're surrounded you're like, by yeah, temptations exactly. and exactly. yeah, your your and intention like, can change in a heartbeat and unless one of them has to keep you pure and sincere. Absolutely. So like I always ask also sometimes to accept accept it, even you know, if if my <laughs> intentions might have been right to me at the time, but it might have been wayward. So inshallah, may Allah forgive me and accept. But I always knew I wanted to get married. I was like, I told my mom, I'm like I want to get married as soon as possible. She's like, just finish university and then get a job and then you can get married. So that's what I did. I finished university at the first job I could, uh, teaching uh, at, a, at a private Islamic school. And then, uh, yeah, I was married by the next year. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing so generously sure. just the part because I feel like for our listeners, you know, everybody has their own parts to finding their spouse. And it's a huge part of Adin. But also, um, yeah, and that's something that I wanted to get into as well, like your pathway into teaching, because I saw that, oh, so first Pareto was teaching, then he did, you know, this other youth stuff. So did you do like a Bachelor of Arts majored in psychology? And how did that lead you to teaching? Or did you have to add on a teaching degree to be able to teach at this Islamic school? Or how did you land that gig? No, so the teaching was... Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack. Okay. So Bachelor of Arts, Psychology, yes. I always loved youth 
And I knew I wanted to work with youth to some capacity. So I did my fourth year project in university on youth programs for disadvantaged youth. Mm. That's what I did. And then I was applying for jobs. And then so at the private at private schools here, you don't need you don't need a teaching degree. You just need a degree to teach. And initially I was only teaching health and phys ed, but then I later on was hired on as an Islamic studies teacher, social studies teacher, a history teacher. So in order to teach those subjects, did you have to go and like add on modules or something? Or how does it work? Like how do you get like curriculum and <laughs> teaching? Here's, here's the textbook. Here's the previous curriculums. Go find your way. Wow. Yeah. So did you have like mentorship? Did you have other teacher buddy mentors who could, you know, train you? Because I, I would, I know I'd be pretty intimidated if I thought oh, I didn't have a, like us girls, right? We're like, oh, we don't have a degree in that. Like, how do you do this? Yeah. But obviously in Canada, in that particular state, that's how it operates or for private schools with legislation. Just for, just for this particular private school. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and, and like it, it was still, it was like a, it was an up and coming. So they did, they needed teachers and they needed right. Uh, so did you now know somebody who was um, in inside the school? Like, did you get in through the back door, like through a, a networking connection? Or was it just simply advertised and you applied? How did that happen? Do you remember? I knew, did I know the principal beforehand? Not really. Like, oh, like the Muslim community was like, you know, like you, you mm. usually know people. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think I emailed the principal. And he's like, yeah, just send me the resume. And then he, I think they emailed me back. Uh, before, but uh, just uh, your, your earlier question about did they have mentorship or, or, or anything. So funny enough, when I was in university, one of the many volunteering things I did was I used we used to run this boys youth program every Friday night. Right. We did that from maybe 2012 or like a couple. And then so we used to every Friday night, me and a bunch of other brothers, we used to hold this youth program. For, for teenagers uh, to for, for them to give them an outlet on a Friday night, which is a very, very... Uh, so it's halal, it's um, social, yeah. but not them yeah. getting into trouble. Like they had a space yeah. to come to where they yeah. felt like they belonged. And were they Muslim kids? So was it at the yeah. mosque or something? It was a Muslim, it was a Muslim kids in a, in a I'd say, uh, at-risk area, at-risk youth, for sure. Okay. And it was, so it, it was connected to the Muslim Association of Canada. Uh, it doesn't necessarily look like a mosque, but like it's, a, it's a, the school where I taught. There's uh, like a youth center there, which runs in it, as well as a, a, as a, as a mosque, a masjid. But it, it just looks like a normal building sort of thing. So yeah. it doesn't really look like a mosque, but the Muslim community was connected there. So the youth would come. They love basketball and they loved pizza. So, <laughs> Those were the draw cards. We'll dangle that, that in yeah. front of you. And, then, so yeah, and did you have to talk to them as well? Like, did they get to share yeah. what their how their week was and stuff while playing basketball, or did you huddle and go around the room and get them to share about stuff that maybe they w- wouldn't share otherwise? No, so yeah, we we usually start with basketball, and okay. then when it's a uh, prayer time, we'll go uh, pray, mm-hmm. and then after the prayer, we'll have uh, we'll have prepared like a talk. Okay. Uh, I like that. So, so they're in their bodies. They've yeah. got the energy out and then calm down and let's talk now. That's beautiful. Mind you, calming them down was very hard. <laughs> <laughs> getting them from 
the hundred meters from the gym to the the, the masjid was a very tough process. Meaning but, they were uh, trying to get distracted yeah. or just having side they just conversations. They love, they just, no, they just love playing basketball so uh, much. Sports. So getting them off the court was a challenge. Yeah, uh, but then once they're there, they're they're most of Muslim pretty respectful, and then and then yeah, we'd give uh, we'd give talks, uh, and I talked about a lot of this uh, this stuff about how I sort of came into the uh, into the dean. Uh, and that could I could I ask you about that, Breda? Because what fascinates me about you, Subhanallah, is how did this kid get into that state where he made dean a priority? Like, because you know, I've seen you in Sri Lanka. I know I grew up in a pretty like. I would say we were pretty modern. It wasn't very religiously strict in my household. And I didn't think that about your family either. But I was like, how did this boy just suddenly, you know, get, like where did the transformation happen? And I wonder, like, was it something that started when you were a kid or where did this thirst for sacred knowledge and all of that come in? Yeah. Yeah. So Alhamdulillah, it was, Alhamdulillah, I was we're brought up Muslim, right? We were Muslim. I'd say up until tenth grade, I was Muslim for namesake. I did it yeah. uh, uh, because my parents told me to, sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and it was just like, okay, if I don't do this, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's why I did it. And then tenth uh, grade year, uh, I did a bunch of dumb things. I would say that. You know hormones that are uh, at their at their peaks, and then you just your your mind's not necessarily thinking right. And then after tenth grade year, I was like, I I want to sort of uh, just I, I want to do right by my mom. Mm. Uh, so that was that dean didn't come into the picture. I just I was like, I want to do well in school, and I want to do right by my mom. So I did those two things. That it was a great year. Like uh, uh, I made some good friends, but dean was still not involved at that at that point. Uh, it was just a namesake sort of thing. And then at the end of my 11th grade year in, in high school, uh, it was on the plane ride from Thailand to Sri Lanka because we used to go to uh, Sri Lanka every summer uh, for the for our holidays. In my head, I was like, I was like, okay, after senior year, I'm going to you know, go to university. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to need something to fall back on or something. I feel like I need something extra. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, I, I feel like maybe I want to give this religion thing a try. Uh, and I, I was having these conversations while watching a horrible movie called <laughs> She's Just Not That Into You. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. So this <laughs> conversation's happening in your head? Like yes. thoughts, so not that you were talking to someone physically sitting no, next to no, you no. on the plane. Just in my head, I was just, I was just, I was sitting in the plane. Uh, one of my, one of my cousins was next to me, but I, I was just thinking to myself, and I got down in Sri Lanka, and then Alhamdulillah, I basically haven't missed a prayer since, since that, since then, and then yeah, just like once, and I, and I always tell people this, I was like, once I made that, you know, uh, that intention. To switch for the sake of God, this door is just, you know. Yes, it's just a decision, isn't it? It's like you're one decision away, one thought. And I love that for you, it feels like this metal bird flying through the air and you like inspiration strikes. And I think in the Quran, I think it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it. Like, you know, sometimes guidance comes as like a lightning bolt. Sometimes it's like rain, like slowly over time. 
experience is like, it's just a lightning strike, like a change of perception in the moment in a couple of seconds, just like you in the plane. You're like, okay, I'm making this new decision to like turn a new leaf and create this new intention. And then you were talking about how like, it's a miracle how like doors just open. So can you talk about like, so you said you, you didn't miss a prayer since from that time that you made that intention and you wanted to do right by your mom. I, when you were saying that, I was like, gosh, this boy and his mom, can you tell us what an influence your mom has had in your life, Pureta, in you staying on the straight path? Yeah, mama has always been, uh, as I always say she's the best Muslim I know. Uh, I'd say she's not your typical Muslim-looking lady, for sure. In terms of God consciousness, faith in God, and just uh, overall... Uh, akhlaq and character and just being a good person i think uh by far and beyond the biggest inspiration and like this i can i can reflect for like hours and hours and hours and it will still not do justice to what this lady has been through yeah. and what this lady has taught me unintentionally i'd say but mom was always mama's been always very nonchalant never forceful yeah she's just uh may allah bless her she's uh just mm-hmm. a kind-hearted soul always always so supportive you know and never never ever once uh uh made me feel like uh she was she was going to leave me even though she might have threatened it a couple times (laughs) if you don't do this (laughs) like my mom is the type like she'll she'll say you're grounded for two weeks and then 20 minutes later she's like are you coming to watch tv with me may Allah preserve her and protect her and yeah give her the best in this life and in the next life auntie yazi if you're listening to this a big shout out and a hug to you because see i'm a boy mama right i have three boys so i'm always curious when i see a young like muslim you know now boy grown into like adulthood like really <laughs> kicking goals being centered and grounded and you know like when i look just just through observation just seeing how like you seem like such a caring dad and a present dad and you know you're also juggling like your career and your passion projects and that service to the community piece it's like I always want to know it's like what did their mom do <laughs> like you know even in the Sahaba they're like Imam Bukhari and all you know you you learn about their moms and you're like I love that you said you know she was never forceful <laughs> yeah. but it's like you almost like learned just through observing her she didn't have to probably say it out loud but it's like you've absorbed a lot of her um that islam in the character just from yeah just watching, yeah, just the, the sense her. of the sense of giving mm. that uh, that mama has in her is i think it's it's unmatched to what i've seen like nobody has ever matched it or even come close mashallah she's uh yeah, God bless her for that. <laughs> and then for like Mama specifically, yeah, she was just yeah, she was always soft. She was always like, like my brother <laughs> and I. We we've, we've been through, you know, we had yeah. some family struggles growing up, unfortunately, yes. uh, as a lot of people do. And Mama was always the rock. Mama was mm. always the, the fallback, like the safe place, safe space. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then she she always wanted us to do well in 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 school. And I actually like shout out to my both my parents because when like going to university, mm-hmm. I think my brother took the, the 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 shot for this. He was forced to go into engineering. And so, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so for me, I was like the second kid. They're like, yeah, 
He was like, oh, they're, they're, they're like, just go to university and we'll be happy. So I was like, no. I, I, he, he took the fall. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't forced that way. I was able to follow what, what my mm. interest. I love And then that. The, rest, the rest of the, in terms of learning, learning Dean was just, I'd, I'd say, a lot of self-reflections. Uh, and then just like, yeah, just self-reflection. And then just trying to gain, gain knowledge from a bunch of different or trying to figure out which sources are trustworthy. I think that's that's right. that's a, that's, a, that's a big challenge. Yeah. And can you talk about so this was something that you said in an interview that I heard with your co-authors of your book. Do you have your book lying around anywhere so you if you know, you know with Jamal. And there's your yeah, name yes. at the bottom there with your two co-authors and you're the <laughs> you're the male representative to have the yes. lived experience of a what is it? This is what the female like. book that they wrote beforehand. Yes. Sonia. Uh, Sonia, right? So yes, if this Don't is on be- podcast, they can't see it. So if you know, you know is a book helping yeah, boys through that adolescent <laughs> phase. And Jamal is the main character who's guiding these kids along the journey, right? And with a tongue in cheek, some humor. Yes. And that's where your co-authors were like, well, we haven't lived this. We need a guy to come in and tell me how, because they were saying to the publisher how they interviewed some guys. And I think you were the first person they interviewed and they ended up choosing you. And so this wasn't in the plan. Like you said, you had no plan that you were going to be this published author or any of that. Like obviously, orchestrated this. (laughs) So like, you are the one, we need to choose you. Do you remember that? like call that you got to be invited to this thing and what you felt <laughs> in was, saying yes to the project so i think when i when they first released this book the girls was i said for those listening in it's the it's the girl if you know you know it's sonia which which came out like a year before a year or two years before that if you know what you know with jamal i was like oh that's such a cool book and i knew so huda uh, one of the authors, um, she worked at the same school that I taught, taught at, at the elementary campus. So that's how I knew her. And then Wala'a, uh, she was one of my my wife's friends uh, from from university, and I and I and I knew of her. And and she's also a registered psychotherapist, and she'd start her her own practice here. So I knew of her that way, and like we we'd all known about each other. And then they, uh, I think Wala uh, re- reached out to me by by message. And then uh, she said, "Are you interested uh, in, you know, in possibly being collab- collaborating with them on this project?" For me, it was a no-brainer. Really, I was, I was all in. Uh, I was like, I, I was like, you don't even have to pay me. I was like, I, I was, I was so, I was so, I was like, it's such a needed resource. Yes. And sure. and and uh, also, I was like, this is a a great opportunity for myself. I never even like uh, like I said in the interview. I never ever ever pictured myself as a as an author. Uh, um, and funny enough, um, speaking on a podcast now, I used to I used to have a podcast of my own with, yes. uh, with a couple other uh, other cool people, the Watering Hole. And up uh, once that finished, which was like I can't remember how many years ago now. It was not until I wrote the, started writing this book again where I, that, that same creative creative part of the brain was working again and it felt nice. so nice to get that working again. So that uh, so. podcast, was that for um, other Muslim Canadians who were coming into university? Was, I can't remember what The Watering Hole was about. I saw it somewhere online. You no, remember the Watering Hole was, just, uh, was, was not necessarily faith-based. 
it was just myself and uh, another uh, one of my friends, Bara uh, Arar, and then also co-created with uh, Haitham Azuni, Alazuni. Uh, it was just sort of a an outlet for mm. for for uh, sort of getting these conversations that uh, youth and I, I suppose uh, Muslim youth are having uh, in these. Uh, you know, in, in, in private spaces, but I like important conversations about important topics on a sort of uh, broader and, and uh, more wider scale. And so that's how that was born. And it was about talking about topics that are relevant to youth and to uh, marginalized communities. Yeah. And for, for individuals, I suppose, navigating their way through North America in the in the current climate or in the climate at that time and that's how that was born it was a very fun uh fun couple of years making that podcast um and yeah it was it was it was great to get those i always loved the creative to get the creative juices flowing yeah. like when i was at the msa we used to have projects that we'd work on uh social projects volunteer projects and even yeah. for iw it's about you know trying to how to, how to creatively express Islam to those mm. who may not know it. I love I that love you're bringing stuff. that point about creativity because I think it's so important because you see, say you might be a professional and you have work and then if you're married or have a family, then you've, okay, you've got your family responsibility. But then who is this individual outside of those roles, right? And you talk about this creative aspect of you coming out and you think, oh, I'm already overwhelmed. Like, I don't have space for this. But I feel like sometimes to get out of that, if, if especially if people are feeling like they're languishing or they're not getting, it's like some part of them is dying inside. I think it's this, they, they don't have a creative outlet yet. So whether it's a passion project, and I used to help people just come up with passion projects because- yeah. That there is something in there. It's just that they've been so conditioned to think, oh, yeah. And when you ask them, they go, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. But I was like, no, 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 you do know. <laughs> so did you kind of get together with those guys and say, hey, guys, we need to do this? Is that how the idea came? Because I always like to also look at how does an idea come about as well, you right. know? You're talking about the watering hole, right? Yeah, Water yeah. Cat. Like, oh, any, yeah. Do you remember so how it came about? Bara and Haitham had the idea, and then <laughs> I was always one of, the third. I, 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 I was one of one of a few candidates who they wanted for co-hosts. <laughs> this is interesting. Think, a pattern going yeah. on. <laughs> so I just realized that this is a pattern. So, <laughs> okay, so for your creative um, projects, you ended up being the third, third wheel, yeah. third person in in yeah. And I like how I also saw how it came about. You were invited in. It's like you got an invitation. So kind of guys just pay attention to the invitations that you get and whether you just get like, like you said, it was a no brainer. It's like, of course I'll do it. You know, even if I didn't get paid, it's it's about that life force that you feel like where you're all lit up and you get tingles, you know, like you're being guided in this direction. You have no idea what's going to come about. You might never see the true um, benefits or the rewards in this life. <laughs> you might see it in your next yeah. life even. Absolutely. So it's not about payment. It's not about that. It's just that you're feeling used up and you're feeling like you're doing something meaningful and you get that like soul satisfying. Yes. Like I feel like I'm in the right place doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to know, Bereda, how are you managing all of this with like, 
having a young family. So tell us how old your girls are like right about now, because I'm definitely going to probably have you on the podcast again when your projects are, you know, ripened. Um, Because you're also doing a master's of social work, right? So does that allow you to become a therapist, like a registered therapist or something? Is that the ticket in Canada? That's one of the ways. That's also, I was, uh, so... I'm not going to get into, into much yeah, detail. So that, that, that's one of the sense. avenues that, that, that you can uh, uh, become a registered psychotherapist um, uh, in Canada or at least in Ontario. Uh, so that's uh, why I ended up doing the Masters of Social Work. And this was actually told to me by, like, later on and uh, by, uh, by somebody who was uh, a therapist for one of my clients who I was mm-hmm. working with in, 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 a, in a project. Uh, in my old workplace and I was ta- I was talking to them about like my professional path and they're like hey you can if you just know a master's in social work you, you can get the same certification because I was under the impression that I needed a master's in counseling and they're like no you can get this and then there was and then for the master's in counseling there was no uh, counseling program that fit my lifestyle mm-hmm. And yeah. like my, like my, my how mind. does could you share like how you end up juggling like where do you and like find pockets to fit the study in amongst your like your day job and family <laughs> study uh <laughs> it's more of for me at this point it's uh I gotta get what I can in yeah uh, like for me for me self-care and like having my me time is I think uh, is one of one of the biggest things for me I always I love that I always love relaxing. It may sound like I'm being very lazy, but I just like relaxing and like either going out with friends, or just uh, uh, watching something with my wife or going out with my wife. Yeah. Uh, just having that uh, peace and quiet at the end of the day where, I, where, where my brain's not necessarily turned on yeah. uh, to the fullest. And I can just, uh, you know, uh, just, just coast and put yes. it on cruise control. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, how much... Like I'm like okay, I, I I can for sure if I if I really wanted to put in the twelve recommended hours per week uh, on <laughs> school, or I could figure out what I really need to do to to to, to get what I need mm-hmm. to get from this course, yeah, uh, and each course, and then go about it that way. So that that's the way I chose because I know for me for my sanity mm-hmm. and for my uh, overall mental health and uh, for my well being, that's what. Uh, that's what I'd be happy with. I love that. So you kind of work backwards from, okay, I have this assignment to put in or I have to do this. Let me see what I have to do to get done, to get across the line. That's yeah, beautiful. That's, that's, it's, it's not what all the parents want to hear. But... <laughs> no, I, that's you know what I love about you? I, I love that you said that. Like I prioritize my self-care and it's for my mental health. I need to have these outlets. So, you know, whether it's a movie or that chill time. Cause then I think, that's why when like even if I see you online or whatever it's like you I don't know if you know that but you emanate that and so everybody else can relax around you because you're like a relaxed kind of guy and we get that vibe and I think that helps you in your work in anything right because you're present you're in your body people can open up to you it's not like you have a million thoughts whoever's in front of you gets your full presence like the prophet like I think anyone who is in front of him um, they would think like they're the only one in the world. <laughs> I think like well, you, yeah. subhanAllah, like you embody that, you know, that persona, that presence. And, and, and you're so smiley all the time. <laughs> it's like your energy is contagious. 
Mashallah. So I appreciate that. I'm horrible at receiving compliments. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see you blushing, but if you were any more white, I'd probably see your cheeks by now. Just to touch on that, like um, being present for me, it's like what helps me do that. And I used to tell this to my uh, class when I was teaching them, like my homeroom class when I was teaching. I was like, when I realized in my life that everything happens for a reason. And we're under the care of the most loving who loves us more than we can even imagine. That once you once you have that realization, and I used to give them this analogy, like a uh, picture uh, in Australia, I'm assuming you have peepholes through some of the, some apartment uh, buildings. Yes, I'm sure they do, apartment, yes. Apartment doors. <laughs> yes. We, like, uh, as, as a human, we see all of life through this people, right? And that, that, that Every problem, every 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 sacrifice, every up, every down is seen through these people. And uh, uh, w- when we sort of take a step back to think about, okay, we're seeing it through there, but Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is seeing the whole apartment building and the whole world behind that, and He's taking care of everything, and everything is going to work out for your best, which is which uh, uh, that once you once you get that into your head. For me, it's much easier to breathe easy and then smile and like. Uh, every, at the end of the day, I know everything happens for a reason, and I know everything ha- is is happening for my best. So that's where, that's where my persona, my personality, uh, and uh, I suppose my my vibes, if you want to call it, for <laughs> for, for, for the for the young folk come from these days. Uh, yeah. It's just just having that thought. It just takes all the weight off your shoulders. Obviously, not all the weight. But uh, but uh, just uh, for the analogy, like the way yeah, it's shoulders. like Dory and Nemo. I think she's like, keep on swimming, keep on swimming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, exactly. You, you can keep, keep going. going. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it's been so amazing that like you shared that, and I want listeners also like say because I noticed that with your other two co-authors, you're also doing workshops and stuff, right? teen workshops and youth workshops so do people just contact you if they have a need is is it in the like just in the Canada region do you do things like online or how do people contact and find you guys for things like projects and collaborations so I'm very new to this space you can contact me I suppose (laughs) on LinkedIn you'll find me at Uh, if you follow Huda and Wala if you know you know teens yeah uh, links in the show um, notes I think they have an Instagram and, and there's also a website. You can reach out to there uh, for workshops or to order. I know I know there's people who are in schools who want to order like bulk yes. uh, of the books. I think uh, the, the website would be your go-to to do that, to uh, contact them. All these workshops and stuff are still, I suppose, in progress. It's a very new space <laughs> for me to be it's in. exciting. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And what are you, in closing, what are you most looking forward to this year in terms of projects or family or anything? It's like, what's lighting you up these days? What's keeping you humming along? Uh, What's lighting me up these days? I have a a, a beautiful family. Uh, We're expecting our third baby, inshallah, in September. A boy, inshallah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that keeps me going. And just... uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, at the end of the day, I, I just want my, my, my thing that for me, I suppose I just, I just, I just want to live, live each day 
uh, so that I can, inshallah, if I if I do if I am taken away, I I I can go to Jannah, inshallah. I mean, um, <laughs> I don't. I, I try not to think way way too far ahead. Mm. I mean, my my mind does wander sometimes, but yeah, that other day is just about if if I have uh, made the most of the uh, of each day. And I, I want to also say this. Uh, when I was, I, le- I realized this when I was on the podcast, I was overly positive. I'm, I'm an extremely optimistic, positive guy to a fault at that time. It's because I always wondered why nobody else could see it like I could. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'd be, and I'd sort of not have that empathy there. And it's taken me some time to, to, to develop that viewpoint. Like me. Not everybody can see it that way. Uh, and and anybody listening to this, don't feel like you know. I'm just like, oh, uh, if if you're not like me, you know, there's something wrong with you. No, like uh, it's just that that that's how I'm programmed, and that's what works for me. And for me, at the end of the day, as long as I know I'm, I'm trying to do right by my by my immediate circle and my immediate loved ones. And at the end of the day, I'm, I, I, I'm doing right by God, then I can sort of sleep easy and then wake up the next day and then embrace it for what it is and then see what the next opportunity to come along is inshallah i uh, i think my, my next goal is to go for umrah and hajj inshallah uh, that'll be amazing and i think you've got you've got a full plate this year like expecting your third baby i got to hear it on the podcast congratulations <laughs> and yourself and your their daughters are they looking forward to having a brother join Inshallah. Yes, uh, they, they're they're very very much looking forward to. My older one was like, we already have too many girls. It's funny. I, I always wanted all all girls because but I had uh, all brothers growing up, so I always wanted all girls. But Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, you know, has that is the best of planners, and I'm looking forward to, to having a boy. I'm I'm I am uh, slightly nervous, but I know Alhamdulillah is not going to give me something that I cannot handle. So, yes. uh, oh, I'm so it. looking forward to hearing dad stories next time. Tips. You have, you <laughs> have three boys, so I, I'll reach out for tips. <laughs> this has been such a fun morning for me. I know it's been like your evening and you'll probably have to go pray soon. So <laughs> we'll wrap up our interview. But I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for saying yes, for being my first guest and starting this adventure with me like it was such an honor to go oh my god I'm like actually getting one of my cousins so if you notice we have the same last name yes we are related <laughs> we're cousins <laughs> and uh it's been such a joy Bereda just yeah having you on here to talk about like all the different parts that you took to where you've you know you've landed and I'm just so happy for you like where you are I mean the clients that you work with the people that you touch they're just so blessed because you just you ooze that positivity. And I think that, like you said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives all of us different personality traits. And for some of us, we're like really calm and chill. For others of us, we have like our thoughts racing and we talk fast and you don't have to change those things. You know, you can still be so loved because it's like you were, those personality traits were given to you to be used <laughs> for a reason in whatever avenue that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes up. Oh, you need, I need to move you over here because you're, you're needed there. You're the jokester because you're needed there. And we're all going to be different, but we're still those divine attributes, I think, come through us. And we have this, it's like a jewel. We have different facets of the jewel and certain things are more strong and we shine that. And then we're exactly the person that another person's heart needs, whether you're a therapist or a coach or whatever. And then for somebody else, 
you might not be their person, but for sure, there's somebody else whose heart gives them exactly what they need. So, you know, we, we all like complete each other in that sense and feel that wholeness and satisfaction of just being alive. And thank you again. And Jazakallah And may Allah bless you, put Baraka in your time and your efforts. And just this year be just full of blessings for you. <laughs> Welcoming Ameen. a new addition to and your family you as well. I mean, I mean, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been, I, um, I, I love smiling like this. It's like a, such a pure <laughs> smile because it's been such a genuine, genuine happiness. So I, 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 I'm so happy to have had this conversation, to be invited. I'm just thankful, alhamdulillah. And then we really need to see each other, inshallah, soon. So yes, either you either need to come Canada here or, or yeah, we're Australia. coming to you. We'll have to plan yeah. something. Maybe after Umrah, we can look at what's in the cards for you. <laughs> And love to your family as well. And yours too. Thank you so much for listening to our debut episode on the Your Truth is Calling podcast. I just love spending time with my cousin. We hadn't talked for about probably 13 years because the last time I remember seeing him was in 2010. Um, And, you know, Bereda being a social worker by background, I hope it encourages you if you have brothers or teenage boys thinking about their career options that, you know, in our Southeast Asian community, at least encouraging them to even think about careers outside of the norm. (laughs) There is one guest coming up, a sister Rania Ahmed, who says in Egypt, there are all these vacant buildings because everybody who thought they were getting into medicine, you know, gets into it. And then there are way too many doctors in Egypt who are qualified, but there's no, there are no patients <laughs> to take care of. So, you know, I would love to know what you thought of episode one. You can DM me on Instagram at Nadira Razak. We have so many great episodes that are coming up. So please make sure that you follow along on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you believe in this mission, if you appreciate these episodes, go ahead and leave a review and share the show. Share the show with anyone whom you think this episode could touch. And in closing, I'd like to leave you with a Quran ayah from Surah Taha, which is um, chapter 20, verse 39, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sort of telling Musa alayhi salam, Moses, about how everything that's happened in his life has led him up to this point and that he is under Allah's eye. He actually says, that you might be brought up under my eye. And when Buraitha shared that piece about being under the care of the most loving, like always keeping that at the back of your mind, no matter what is going on for you, how chaotic life is at the moment, whether you're feeling in a low point, whether you're feeling trapped, whether you're feeling like, I don't know how I landed here. How did I get here? Just understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God sees everything. He knows what you're going through and some things are orchestrated for your own good. I hope that that episode keeps your spirits high. Next week, we're joined by Sister Rania Ahmed, a counselor and a poet. I can't wait till you hear that interview as well. In the meantime, please DM me at Nadira Razak on Instagram. Let me know in the DMs what you thought of this episode and what you'd like to see more of. Until then, this is your host from the Your Truth is Calling podcast, Nadira Razak, signing off. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.